You ready to buckle up? Because God has got something good for you and me, amen? Before you buckle up, why don't you stand your feet? We're going to read this story together. Now, as you're turning there um, in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, if you don't have a, a Bible with, with, uh, with you or it's not on your phone through the YouVersion app, we're going to put it on the screen in just a minute. But um, we're so glad you're here tonight. And, you know, tonight I'm going to do something a little bit unique. I want to tell you a secret. Okay? And here's the thing. Sunday morning service is not going to know what the secret is. Only Saturday night. See, you're blessed coming on Saturday night, right? I mean, know that a secret is usually withheld for certain people because it's valuable, right? And so tonight, um, I want to talk to you on the concept, on the message. And this is a secret I discovered in the Bible by the Apostle Paul. You ready? It's called The Secret to Contentment. So I want you to grab your Bibles. If you don't have them, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. We're going to go through verse 13, and we're going to read in the New Living Translation. Now, I'm not going to preach this message tomorrow. So if you want to double dip, this is a good weekend to do it, all right? Because tomorrow I'm going to preach on the concept of honor. I preached on that theme a few weeks ago here on a Saturday night. I didn't do it on Sunday, and I felt stirred to share that message on Sunday. So I'm going to do two this weekend, all right? I'm double dipping, all right? So here we go. Let's all read this together. Ready? For I have learned to be whatever the circumstances. Let's try that again. I want us to all say it together. You ready? Here we go. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Close your eyes, Holy Spirit. Tonight, we welcome you and say, have your way in this place. Have your way in this place. Lord, the truth, it brings freedom. And Lord, you're breathing this secret, this truth into our hearts. Paul said it. He's discovered the secret to contentment. And tonight, let us discover how that we can live our lives walking in the contentment that you've designed for us. Lord, I'm asking you to just take over in the next few minutes, that you'd speak through me and that your word would not come back empty, but it would fulfill everything you've intended it to do. In the name of Jesus. Now just open your heart to the Holy Spirit for just a moment. Just to say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Just take a moment. We rush through life sometimes. Just stop and pause. Holy Spirit, we make room for you. Say this with me. Speak to me. Of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. <laughs> so I'm going to talk to you about the secret to contentment. Now, I'll just be honest with you. This topic, it almost sometimes goes against my nature. If you are a type A personality or a high D, you are always 
leaving, pushing, setting goals, striving, trying to go to the next level, trying to have a higher vision, believing that God can go above and beyond what you ask or think. But there is a balance to life that God wants us to live in. And tonight I want to talk to you, even though this is a little bit against my nature as a person, this is a valuable piece of information that I'm learning and applying in my life, and I hope that it'll encourage you. You know, tonight we're really honored to have Pastor April's mom is with us, Janet Drury over here, and she's a blessing. Will you give her a hand for coming? Wave at us, everybody. Wave, Janet, wave at everybody so they know who you are. All right. And uh, it's a blessing to have you with us. We're so thankful for giving birth to your daughter. Thank you. We're blessed to have her here at Higher Vision. Let me tell you something. Paul knew what he was talking about when he talked about contentment. Because if you look at the life of Paul, he had some major highs and he had some major lows. I mean, obviously, one of the things he carried was that he persecuted Christians. He was against Christ for a season. He knew what it was like to suffer once he became a Christian. He was thrown in prison on multiple occasions. He was beaten. He was stoned. Now, not in our modern terms, but in a different way. He was stoned. He was left for dead. He was shipwrecked. Talk about having some lows. And yet the man who had so many issues in his life now says, I've learned a secret. And the secret is how to be content. So what I want to do is I want to take Philippians chapter 4, these passages, and I want to draw out two principles that I discover that as we learn about this concept of being content, it'll help you and I to learn to be content. So here's point number one. If you want to write it down in your notes, you can do it. If you want to do it on your phone, however you want to do it. Point number one, the secret to contentment is simply this. The first point we learn from Paul is that The secrets in consideration. The secrets in the idea of to consider or consideration. If you look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, here's what it says. It begins by Paul saying this. He says, for I have, what's the word? I've learned to be content. Now that Greek word is a word which literally means this, to Begin to understand. So basically what Paul's saying, he said, I've started to understand what it is to be content. I didn't really know it before, but I know it now. I love this idea. This idea of consideration is given to us in the Bible in Ecclesiastes. And if you turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 13, I love this passage, and here's what it says. It says, Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he's made crooked? Now look what it says. When times are good, what's the next two words? Right? When times are good, be happy. But look what it says now. But when times are bad, what's the next word? Consider. For God has made the one as well as the other. This concept of understanding contentment is understanding that we have to consider our lives, consider the context, consider 
what's happening in the world. I love how Paul begins Philippians because as we read at the end of Philippians, he tells us, listen, I've learned a secret and it's to be content. Listen, I've had a lot. I've had little. I've been hungry. I've been well fed. I understand. I've been beaten. I've all these things happened, but I've learned how to be content, right? That's how he kind of ends the book. But at the beginning of the book, look what he starts with. Philippians chapter 1 verse 3, he begins by saying, I thank God every time I remember you. You know what that tells me is that as Paul was thinking about contentment, he was thinking about Philippi, he was remembering the whole story. What was he remembering? Well, if you don't know, Paul went to Philippi, and when he was there, he started a church. And while he was there, everything didn't go so great in the beginning. Because when he first got there, there was a demon-possessed woman that followed him around to every meeting that he had. Whenever he would try to speak, she would cause turmoil in the meetings by jumping up. And you'd think this is a good thing, but she would start shouting, this man is from the Most High God. You see, it sounds good, but what she was doing was trying to just cause distractions and mess up the meeting. And so what happened? He cast the spirit. There was a spirit inside of her, and he cast the spirit out. And when he did, this woman who was kind of a psychic and worked for this, this company that, you know, you could call 1-800-PSYCHIC-HOTLINE and, and they would tell you what you needed to hear. And so the guy was making money. Well, now she couldn't do it anymore because the spirit that she had was delivered or set free from her. And now she couldn't do what she'd been doing. So this guy who was making money on her gets mad, calls the leaders of the city, and they take Paul They throw him in prison. They beat him almost to the point of death. And they say that he's going to be judged, taken to trial, maybe even killed. It's interesting that Paul says, I thank God every time I remember you. Now, we know the rest of the story, and the rest of the story is, miraculously, God shows up. He opens the doors of the prison, right? And then the Philippian jailer, I referenced this last week, he comes in, and he ends up getting saved, and God births this awesome um, church in the city of Philippi. And so Paul, as he's remembering, here's what he's doing. He's saying, listen, as I look back and I consider our journey together, guess what? There were lows, and there were highs, there were good times, there were bad times, but I am thankful when I think about you. And by the way, I want to remind you that as you consider, just like I have learned and considered that I can be content, even in the face of looking. You know, here's a question for you. When you're struggling with contentment, when you're struggling, feeling like things aren't going the way they should, when you're down, when you're discouraged, when you feel like life isn't going your way, when you wish more things would happen, when you wish your breakthrough would come, when you wish you had more, when you wish things were different, the starting point to contentment is to take inventory. Take inventory. I love the phrase. I say it all the time. I may not be what I want to be, but praise God, I'm not what I used to be. Somebody say amen to that. So what Paul is saying is, listen, take a look at your life, learn. Listen, understanding contentment is gaining an understanding that you're looking and considering at all that's happened, the good and the bad. You know, really, the Bible says this in James chapter 1, verse 17. It says, every good and perfect gift. In other words, every good thing that's happened in your life, every blessing that has come your way. Anybody had any blessings that have come your way? 
Look at what it says. Every. You know what that means? Every. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Now look at this. Who does not change like sifting shadows. See, what the scripture is telling us is simply this. When you go into those moments, like Paul, when you have less versus when you have more, when you're trying to search for contentment, the way that you find the secret to contentment is to stop and consider. Man, I can see there's been good things. Yes, I've gone through hard times too, but there's been good things. And here's the good news. Every good thing, guess where it came from? It came from God. And what did Ecclesiastes say? It said, not only be happy for the good things, but realize that even when bad things come, that God is still in the middle of all of that. Consider. Take a look at your perspective. You know, it's interesting. I, I remember a story when my daughter Haley was in school. She was younger. She made this little tiny kite. And it wasn't like a big kite, the kind that you fly. It was like, you know, the crafts that they make. And so it was small. I think it was made out of that rubbery construction type paper. And it was this little tiny kite about, about this big. And it had glued, a glued tail on it. And, you know, and, and, and it had a little string on it. And so she brought it home. She's like, Dad, Dad, let's go outside and fly the kite. And, and Tanner was there. And he's like, yeah, Dad, let's go fly the kite. And I'm like, guys, this is a craft. This isn't a kite. It's not going to fly. Oh, yes, it will, Dad. Yes, it will. It's going to fly. It's going to fly. Come on. So I went outside with them, and we got it to fly about three inches off the ground. <laughs> threw the yard twice before it fell apart. And after it flew through the yard two times and fell apart, I told them, I said, guys, I'm sorry. I told you it wasn't a real kite. It wasn't going to fly. And then Tanner looked at me and said, Dad, that's okay. It doesn't matter. It was fun. I felt really like a bad parent at that moment. Have you ever felt like a bad parent? What's interesting, it was about the perspective. I was considering what didn't happen, and he was considering what did. And in order for you and I to understand contentment, we can't just look at what doesn't happen. We have to look at what does and that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. It reminds me of a parable. Remember that parable where Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, there was a landowner and he was trying to harvest a crop and he went down to Home Depot and he hired some people to come out and work in his, his field. Remember that story? I'm throwing in the Home Depot part, but same thing. And he hired some people, and they came down, and he said, will you work, you know, for this amount, minimum wage or whatever, $10 an hour or $15 an hour for the next eight hours? And they're like, yes, we will. And so they worked hard, and then about halfway through the day, he was realizing that he didn't have enough workers to get it done, so he went back down to Home Depot, and there were some people still there, and he said, hey, guys, would you come work for me? And he paid them and, and offered them the same amount to only work for four hours, and he was still running out of time, and he went back, and he got one hour left, got some more workers, and they came down and joined for the last hour. Remember that? Remember that story? It goes, if you look at it in Matthew chapter 20, I want to read to you kind of towards the end. It says, verse 10 says, when those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more. So he had already paid the people that had worked one hour and the people that had worked four hours, and now he's getting ready to pay the ones that had worked eight hours. They assumed they were going to get more because he paid the one-hour person the same amount of what he had offered to pay them. And when they received their pay, they protested to the owner. 
Those people worked only one hour and you paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. And here's the bottom line. They weren't content with their pay. And the reason they weren't content is because as you look kind of through the story, three things begin to happen when we really don't consider. First thing we do is we start comparing. First thing we do is we start comparing and going, wait a minute, they, how co- they came later and look at, and so we start comparing what we have with somebody else and what they have, and, and we start comparing around us. You know, have you ever done that? Isn't it really easy to do? You start looking at what somebody else has, and then the next thing they did is then they started complaining once they started comparing, right? Because we go from comparing, and then the next thing happens, we start complaining, because we start going, well, wait a minute, they have a newer car than I do, and I've been working longer than they have. They're just young. How come they are in the same neighborhood it took me all these years to get into? And then the next thing, we're complaining. And then as you read the story, then the next thing is we start coveting. Because then we start going, well, wait a minute, it's not fair. I should have what they have. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 20. Here's the landowner's response, which represents the father. And it was, friend... I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? A denarius was one day's wage. Didn't you agree to work for what I asked at the time? You were totally fine. Take your pay and go. I want to give the man, I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I decided to be generous? You see, consideration will help us when we've fallen into the trap, right, of starting to compare, and then we started to complain, and then we started to covet. Come on, coveting, and this whole process is just kind of human nature, isn't it? Just look at our children, right? You can get your children a toy for Christmas, and then three Christmases later, everybody comes over to the house, and they've got their new toy that you just bought them for Christmas, but then the friend who came over's child went into their closet and pulled out the toy that they got three years ago for Christmas, and as soon as they do, your child doesn't want to play with the new one anymore because they want that one. Why? Because what happens is our contentment is stolen. It's robbed from us when our perspective is wrong. When we start looking at others, when we start considering what they have, and the next thing we know we're comparing, and then the next thing we know we're complaining, and then the next thing we know we're coveting. It's really about our focus. And I love how Paul begins. He says, listen, I thank God. Because here's what I've realized. Man, the car I got, God gave it to me. And the house that I have, God's blessed me with it. Every good and perfect gift 
And even if things are difficult and even if you're going through a trial, here's what you need to know is God is still there. He hasn't forgotten you. And there's good moments and there's bad moments. But the question is, is when you're in the bad moment or in the trial, are you going to get caught in the trap of starting to, you know, compare? And then the next thing you know, you're complaining. And then the next thing you know, you're coveting. And we know that's one of the Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt not covet. And then the next thing you know, we're, compl- we're, we're coveting. And then we wonder why we're not content. Because the secret to contentment is in consideration. Let me just make this little quote. Happiness is, it's supposed to be is not, and I did this wrong. (laughs) Maybe you guys can fix that. Well, we're not doing this tomorrow, so never mind. (laughs) Happiness is not affected by what is happening around me. Contentment is the product of my perspective. You know what's really cool about this passage? Paul is writing about being content from prison. He said, I've learned the secret. By the way, I'm in jail. And I'm not coming out. I'm going to be killed. I think he's qualified to talk about contentment. Because he found that contentment went beyond circumstances in life. I was running on Hillcrest several years ago. And, and uh, when I was running, I, I remember that I remembered this story as I was thinking about this passage and I was running and, and I was going up the hill and suddenly this guy comes running by me and he passes me up. And he runs faster than me and I didn't like it. <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, he can do that because he looks way younger than me. And he had a crew cut and I'm like, he's probably in the military and he's in great shape. Suddenly I start looking at him and comparing him to me. And I started complaining. Well, if I was 6'4", instead of six foot, I could run that fast too. And I started complaining. And then I started thinking, well, man, if I look like he did, I started going through that trap. But you know what's interesting now? If someone runs by me now, I still am tempted <laughs> But my, my, my mindset's different now. You know why? Because I just went through last year almost a year-long injury on my knee and was told I wouldn't run ever again. Yeah. And now they can pass me up all day long. You know why? Because I am so happy to be running. I am so happy to be blessed. I'm so happy to have what I have. Sometimes I sit back and I look at my wife and my children and and where we live in Southern California and I, I look at all of the things that I have and I think, wow, I am so blessed. You see, the secret's in consideration. And you and I begin to understand the perspective. Let me just give you three verses that are just great verses to chew on. Is that okay? Here's the first one. Proverbs 19, verse 23 says, The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests, what? Content. 
untouched by trouble. You see, when we get to look at things in context of God and his plan, and we fear him, not fear afraid, but we honor, we respect. I love what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. Here's another great scripture on contentment. It says, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth, or other translations says great gain. You see, when we look at our lives in context of who God is and his plan for our life, when we've considered that every good thing we have is God's gift to us, it changes our perspective. You know why? Because Paul was simply saying, I'm just glad to be running. I'm glad to be in prison on my path to, to speak to the the, the, the ruler of the kingdom to Caesar himself so that he can hear the message, even though I'm in prison right now and I've had to be in prison for a long time. By the way, that was part of God's plan for my life so that I wouldn't be so busy out there teaching and preaching and ministering and traveling that I would be able to write a third of the New Testament so that later on there would be the church able to hear the truth of the gospel year and year and over and over. My voice would be amplified. The Holy Spirit's voice would be amplified. But I had to go through prison in order for that good thing to be released in my life. So I'm going to consider my situation and say, God, thank you for where I am. Every good and perfect gift. I'm just glad to be running. Anybody glad to be running? 1 Thessalonians 5.8. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Or, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will, for you belong to Christ Jesus. Paul's saying, in every situation, I can be thankful. In every situation, I can be content. The secret is in consideration. It's about perspective. You all with me? Say amen. Here's the last one. I'm going to give you the last point. The secret to contentment is also the secret's in the sauce. Oop, I mean, the secret's in the source. Just throwing that, throwing that in there. The secret's in the source. As I read through this passage, he begins by saying, listen, I've learned the secret. I've understood, I've considered, I've gained knowledge about contentment. I've had a lot, I've had a little, I've been hungry, I've been well-fed. I've been in the highs, I've been in the lows. And then he says this. He says, and I, verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, and I can do this through Christ or through him who gives me strength. Other translation says this, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Here's what the passage says. Paul says, I can do this. I can do all things. I can do this through Christ who strengthens me. What is the this? Because we, we, we grab that scripture and we lift it out as a rhema word, a revealed word, to know that you and I can do all things through Christ. Anybody ever thought of that or prayed that or believed that? Say amen. But do you realize what the context says? The context says, now n nothing to take away from the rhema revelation that we can do all things. But let's bring it back to its primary foundational principle, and that's this. Whether you're in prison or whether you're free. Whether you have a nice car or you're walking to work. Whether your kids, things are going great or they're off doing goofy things. Whether you have a great job and taking care of your family or you're struggling to find work. Here's what Paul says. 
You can do this. You can be content. You can. How? Well, it all goes back to the source. Because you can't do it in you. You do it through Christ who strengthens you. Whew, man. Pretty powerful, huh? Watch this. Here's what the word content means in the Greek. When he says, I can be content in all situations, here's what the word content means. This was kind of a revelation for me. Content in the Greek means content, satisfied. But it comes from a root word, and look at what this root word means. It means to raise a barrier to ward off. And it says to be content, be enough, be sufficient. So interestingly enough, Paul says that contentment isn't just having enough and being okay with whatever you have. It's also about raising a barrier. And then he goes on to say, and this can only happen through the source of Christ, the strength within you, Jesus Christ. So let's take a look for a minute and kind of develop this thought. Y'all with me? John 10.10. Many of us have heard this scripture. It's talking about the devil, the enemy. The thief's purpose, now this is Jesus' words, is to steal and kill and destroy. So in other words, the devil wants to rob you of contentment. He wants to rob you of joy. He wants to rob you of peace. He wants to plunder your contentment. You all with me? But look what Jesus said. But I came... My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life, abundant life, full. So when Jesus came, here's what he said. I came not only to forgive you of your sins, but to give you the power to be satisfied. The devil wants to take it. The enemy wants to steal it. So if you're going to be content, I I came to give you the power to be content. And so the word content, guess what it means? To raise a standard, a barrier. Let me read to you a couple more verses. 2 Timothy 1, verse 12 says, That is why I am suffering here in prison. This is Peter talking to his spiritual son, Timothy. But I am not ashamed of it. For I know the one in whom I trust. Who's he speaking about? Who's he talking about? Jesus. For I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure, convinced, persuaded, that he is able to guard, interesting word, he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Now look at that in context with what we read before. You can be content, but the key to being content is to have a barrier built so that nothing can take it away, and the only thing that can help you not be robbed, not have that taken away, is to have a barrier, but guess who that barrier is? Jesus. And Paul says, if I've given something to Jesus, 
I can be confident that I can entrust it to him. It's not going to be stolen. It's not going to be taken. No one's going to plunder it. No one can rob it because if I've given to Jesus, he's guarding it. It's protected. So guess what that means? That if you have released your heart to Jesus Christ and you've given everything to him, guess what? The devil can't take your contentment. He can't rob your joy. He can't take anything away from you. Why? Because it's not you that's protecting it. It's Jesus who's watching over it. Some of you are like, man, he's getting his preach on. The veins are even popping out in his neck. Paul understood. You see, here's the thing. The secret's in the source. The way that you and I will be content is number one, to consider everything in the light of God's faithfulness, our perspective. And then secondly, to know that we can trust him with everything that we have, everything that we go through. And as long as you've given it to Jesus and entrusted it to him, he has the power to keep you content. The only way that that contentment will not stay, the only way that the enemy will rob and break through the barrier is if you're still holding it or you're putting it in something else or somebody else. So as long as you've given it to Jesus, it's the source. As long as you put your trust in Jesus, he will protect and you will live a rich and satisfying life, even if you're in prison. You know why? Because you're thankful to be running again. I may not be what I think I want to be, but praise God, I'm not what I used to be. And I have entrusted to Jesus my children. I have entrusted to Jesus my finances. I have entrusted to Jesus my calling. I have entrusted to Jesus my marriage. I have entrusted to Jesus. Just go down the list. Are you holding or have you placed it in the hands of Jesus? I want to read one more verse and then I'm going to tell you a story and give you a quote, and we're done. Is that all right? <laughs> you ready? We're going to land this plane. Philippians 2, 12 through 14. This is right in the context of Philippians, when he's talking later on about contentment, when he begins by, I remember, and I thank God. Look in the middle of what he says. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, this is the part I want to focus on for a minute. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Of course, then he throws in and do everything without grumbling and complaining, right? Get your perspective right. Don't compare, right? Don't complain. Don't covet. But what does he say? Listen. You have the source. You have the secret sauce in you. Jesus. You have the working of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And that is God's way of working his will in you. 
his good and perfect will. So when you're struggling with contentment, quit looking around at what you don't have. Look at what you do have. What do you have? You have Jesus inside of you. And he's watching over you and he's protecting you. I love this quote and then I'm going to tell you a story. Contentment is not secured by the things around you. Contentment is secured by the one who is in you. There's a story about a man named Horatio Spafford. He had a family. He was a lawyer. He was kind of well-known in his time. He lived in the 1800s. In 1871, he sent his daughters, four daughters and his wife ahead. They were going to England to actually meet some traveling ministers there, well-known ministers that you would know in the day, Dwight Moody and others. So think about it. They're on their way. His wife and he was going to go with them, but because of some issues with the business, he was a lawyer, he had to stay behind. So he sent them in this boat. They're on their way to go meet Dwight Moody and to have all of these awesome revival services. And while they're on the trip, he receives a telegram with the report that they had had a collision and there was a fire and his four daughters were killed. His wife somehow miraculously survived. And so, of course, he got on the, the next boat as quickly as he could. Just back before they flew. He got on the next boat to, to travel across the ocean to meet his wife, to have the services for his daughters. <coughs> and it was on that voyage, as he sat in his cabin, as he considered a source rose up inside of him and he penned these words. When sorrows like sea billows roll, it is well, it is well with my soul. How can someone say that in the midst of that situation? Because he found a secret. And then the words were penned. They took that story and they took those words a few years later and they wrote a song which simply says this. When peace like a river attended my way When sorrows like Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my with your soul or has life and challenges has the enemy come in and robbed you I'm going to tell you there is a source Christ that will guard you can't take your peace can't take your joy cannot take your contentment 
Because Jesus, what you've entrusted to him, he will watch over.